0: 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. I found something that I thought you might kind of think was interesting. Uh, this was sent to me earlier this week, and it's about how you can take some words, and if you rearrange the letters, interesting what those words mean. So let's, let's look at some. Presbyterian, if you take the words and change them around, it means best in prayer. I'm not sure if I, you know, Calvin Chappell, but anyway. Um, Next. You take the words astronomer, moon-starer. Isn't that interesting? The eyes, you flip it around and it says, they see. All right, next. You take George Bush and you turn it around. He bugs gore. (laughs) That's awesome. You take the Morse code, Flip it around. Here come dots. Oh, this is good. You take dormitory and you flip it around. Dirty room. <laughs> How many more do we have here, Eric? All right. Well, oh, you take slot machines. Cash lost in me. You take the, the, word, the words a decimal point and I'm a dot in place. It's pretty good. we coming close to the end here? Oh, oh, this is snooze alarms. Alas, no more Z's. <laughs> Boy, how appropriate is that for this morning? Oh, okay. And this is the big finish. You ready? Take the words mother-in-law. <laughs> I... But That's weird. Just just really weird. Okay, you can let it go there. All right. Um, Actually, there is one more, and this actually ties into the message, sort of. Here we go. If you take Peter and you turn it around, it says this, repeat. Well, sort of. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not spelled perfectly, but, but where I'm going here is that Second Peter is the book where he repeats. He reminds us. You guys want to get in the Word? Here we go. Your chance. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, I want you guys to read the word reminds and you'll see what I'm talking about. Chapter 1 verse 12. For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Knowing that I shortly must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Second Peter is a book of repeating. Right? Pete and repeat. You guys heard that story, right? The joke. Okay, maybe some of, some of you have it. Right? What is it? Pete and repeat sitting on a fence? And uh, Pete falls off. Who's left? Repeat. Pete and repeat sitting on... Yeah, okay. Think about it. Alright, here we go. This book is about... Repetition. It's about reminding. This, this section in particular, I think, is really the key to chapter 1. Um, you could make a really good case that this text right here is actually the key to perhaps the whole book. Because Peter here shows that he's at the end of his life. And we've seen that he, he sees that there's wolves in the flock. He, uh, he's been commissioned by the Lord Jesus to, uh, when Jesus said, If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. As, as an under-shepherd who's been commissioned by the Lord, he's at the end of his life and he looks to the flock and he sees, interspersed with, with the, the sheep, he sees wolves who are teaching false doctrine. And he realizes, hey, I don't have much time left to pour into these sheep. So he spends all of chapter 1 reminding Verses 2-4, through four, we saw it last Sunday. How many of you were here last Sunday? Raise your hand, quick. Okay. Um, Verses 2-4, through he reminds the people of God, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus, he reminds you, you are rich. You are already rich. He says, you don't need to fall for the false teachers and what they're offering you because you're already rich. We saw it last week. He says, look, you have the pardon of God. Verse 2, you have the peace of God. You have already, you already possess all of the power of God that you could possibly need for life and godliness. You have the promises of God. And he even says, look, you can even be the partaker of the divine nature of God. That is, you can have his purity, you can have his personality. All of that is yours if you're a Christian. The key is, well, let's see if you remember, if you don't... If you aren't experiencing these things, even though you're a Christian and you know that they're yours in your head, you're not experiencing them, I tell you to turn your key. Get to know Jesus. Jesus. You guys did much better than the first service. Apparently the first service needed a reminder. That's actually a huge thing if you start to grasp it. If you didn't get the message, you might want to go online and grab it. Um, The idea that God has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. We actually can't truthfully say, well, if I just had more power, or, you know, if I just had more this or that. No, he's already given it to us. The key is getting to know him. Okay? So, verses 2 to 4, he reminds us, look, you are rich. Verses 5 to 11, he reminds us, look, you're rich, but now get richer. Anybody have a problem with that? Rich and getting richer? Okay, um... Because what he says, he says, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. What he's saying is, you're rich, now get richer. Bring these things into your life experience. These wonderful things, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, all of these things. The message really that Peter is saying is, he's reminding us, you need to keep growing. Again, his concern is the false teaching. He's like, look, the best way to not fall into false doctrine is to keep growing. Get to know Jesus. Spend your time with him. Get to know him. Keep growing. Um, If you don't, there's no such thing as a Christian just staying put. Either you're growing forward or you're falling back. You're backsliding. Okay, look at verse 8 now. He says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and look at this, and has forgotten, that is, in need of reminder, that he was cleansed from his old sin." Okay, that sets up where we are this morning. Verse 12. For this reason, Peter says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Peter says, look, that's my job. I've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus. As a good under-shepherd, I am going to keep on reminding you of stuff you already know. We mentioned it a couple Sundays ago, right? Probably everybody in this room, you can think of a few phrases or sayings that your parents drilled into you so that so much so that you could finish their sentence for them. Again, uh, son, like like I always say, son, when the going gets tough, I know, dad, a tough get going. Right. I always say stupid is as I know, dad, stupid does. Um, right. There's a certain certain phrases that you just heard a million times when you were kids. Did you wash your hands? I'm not asking you now. That was an example. Uh, here's another one. How many times have I told you to put the seat down? Some of you guys are still hearing that. Uh, this one from dad. Don't make me stop this car. You know, we have we have scriptures in our classrooms for our kids, uh, particularly when it comes to conduct. Uh, what we instruct the teachers, hey, if, if the kids kind of, being squirrely, not misbehaving, point to one of those scriptures as your first line of defense. Say, hey, what does it say right there? Remind them of what they already know. A great way to teach is to remind. Matter of fact, let me remind you of something. Here at Calvary Chapel, we look for more ways to apply the message. Um, It's it's awesome, living word. uh, But when the power really comes is when we decide, we just say, okay, I am going to apply this. I'm actually going to be a doer of the word not a hearer only. In a message like this, the, the one of the ways that I see that application becomes available is this. Maybe right now toward the beginning of this service, think about who your flock is. Peter is writing to the flock that's been assigned to him. Who's the flock that has been assigned to you? It might be one little lamb. Maybe you're younger and you're like, I'm too young to have a flock. Well, maybe you have a younger brother or sister. Uh, maybe you have a friend that you're witnessing to, that maybe you're even older than they're even older than you are, but you are older in the Lord. Who is that person that the Lord has assigned to to kind of follow after you? Think about that. As Peter says, my job is to remind you. Now, let me ask you, why would Peter? appointed the under-shepherd for the Lord, why would he say, I mean, just right off the bat, he's saying, I'm going to remind you of stuff you already know. And he says, and are established in. Matter of fact, why is it pretty much every pastor's job, 90% of it is just reminding, pretty much every leader's job, 90% of it is reminding? Well, it's because we are sheep. And sheep's memory is bad you don't believe me, next time you run into a sheep, you know, later today maybe, give him a list of numbers to remember. And then just look in his eyes. (laughs) Right? Okay, that's a bad example. Most of you aren't going to meet any sheep necessarily, but today, ask your kids what they learned in Sunday school. Now, some of them will remember. And you can say, not bad. But ask them tomorrow and then another day or so pretty soon you'll see that look i see that look i mean you guys all the time that was an awesome sermon great job awesome what what did you learn (laughs) sheep are not so bright and god calls us sheep do the math right Verse 12, he says, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you. The word negligent actually means to be careless, to neglect. You understand the implication? Whoever you might be leading, whatever flock that God has, whatever set of little feet that are, are following yours, reminding is part of your gig. It's part of your job. It's essential. We should not feel guilty to remind. Matter of fact... Peter says, verse 12, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. And that word is more emphatic than it looks. It means, listen, perpetually, invariably, incessantly, at any and every opportunity. Peter is saying, I will not shirk my responsibility to pound these things into your head. Over and over and over again. Incessantly, perpetually. And some of the teens are thinking, I had no idea how biblical my parents were. <laughs> there may be some wives in the room that are very biblical. Matter of fact, you could you could write on your honeydew list first Peter or Second Peter chapter one verse twelve. Right? I'm just for this reason I'm not negligent to remind you of these things, even though you know you're established. Maybe some of you have found your new life memory verse. <clears throat> reminding is good but especially though for teaching and for leading verse 12 for this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always incessantly of these things though you know that is you see you understand and are established that means you are already made stable you're already placed firmly in the present truth this is good to to remember because sometimes when we're reminded we're like I already know that but Peter says don't misunderstand I know you get it, I know you're firmly established in the truth, but my job is to remind. And he does it here, and he does it in chapter 3, look at chapter 3, verse 1, he says it again, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Peter does it, Paul does it. Philippians 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Paul saying, yep, I know, I'm writing the same old thing, but I'm okay with it. I hope you are too. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Peter's writing to his protege, and he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That's part of the gig, reminding. Okay? Um, Studies show that at best, we retain 20% of what we hear. And if you write it down, then the percentage goes up some. And if you hear it again, if you hear it twice, then the percentage goes up some more. But even at best, our minds are like steel sieves, right? So it logically follows, if we are that forgetful, you know... And some of you, unfortunately, can testify to this. I can meet you and say, like, you, you can tell me your name and I'll ask you your name. Just, you know, trying to do that trick where, I, okay, if I say it again. <laughs> and then I'll go to pray for you and like, uh, bless this brother. Right? It's amazing how quickly we can forget. <laughs> I'm sorry. I put, yeah. Because we're that forgetful, it logically follows then that repetition is like the key to really getting it and owning it and internalizing it, right? I got to, My wife and I and our kids, we got to go see Greece last night, the, the kid production. It was awesome, a lot of fun. And a lot of those kids, um, they had a lot of lines to remember. I bet if we asked them, I don't think they just got it once. So, okay, I got it memorized. If you want to internalize something, you repeat it over and over, right? So please, don't feel guilty repeating the word of the Lord. It's the absolute best way to teach. Repetition, let me say this. Repetition is the mark of a great teacher. Let me repeat that. (laughs) (laughs) Repetition is the mark of a great teacher. Now, there's two things that... Repetition accomplishes at least two things um, that I, I can see here. Number one, verse 12, repetition stabilizes, it strengthens, it brings safety. Look at it. For this, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. That word established means to stabilize. What Peter's saying is this. Look, I know, I get it. You know this stuff. And I know you're already steady. But my job is to remind you to make you steadier. Peter would say, I know everybody here is stable. I wouldn't suggest anything otherwise. But my job is to make you stabler. See, reminding stabilizes, it steadies, it strengthens, it brings safety. That's what Paul said. Chapter three, Philippians chapter three, verse one. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious. But for you, it is safe. Kind of acknowledging, again, it's, I know, I know, I know you've heard this before, but I'm okay with it. And I hope you are, because for you, repetition is safety. There is safety in repetition. You guys, here's, I think, a decent illustration. Airline stewards and stewardesses, how often do they say that spiel? Right, the the safety spiel? And as as funny as it might be to hear, I don't know that I'd feel all that safe if they get up and say, "Seat belts, seat sh- belts, exits, masks." You've heard it all before. Let's get on with it. <laughs> Safety comes in repetition. Safety comes in repetition. That brings me, I think, I hope, to application time. What is your outlook on being reminded? Let me put it this way. Do you mind being reminded? I'm talking about in the Word. What is your attitude concerning truth? Does it have to be new? Or are you in love with the idea of being reminded? Let me address a few different subgroups possibly here. Maybe you're a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, or maybe you're a pastor in the making, there is a temptation for every person who gets up, and especially if you have to do it day in and day out. There's a temptation to look for the new and the shiny, and to to be like, okay, well, yeah, I taught that before, but they've already heard it. Um, to to want to be uh, the person who finds something new in the Bible. Maybe you've heard this, and it's a, it's a good axiom. Um, whatever is new is not true, and whatever's True is not new. Now, because we're dumb, there will be things that are new to us, right? Um, but the idea is, if you, if you come into the Word and you're like, Oh, I found something just brand new that nobody has ever found before. Either you're wrong, they found it before, or you're really wrong because it's wrong. Get it? Um, that's to the teachers. But what about to all the rest of us? Um, what is your attitude when you walk in on a Sunday morning? Are you, are you? Do you sit down and, and go? Okay, well, I'm waiting for the latest and greatest. I'm I'm waiting for the the new, the shiny. Are you like, yeah? I heard that one. Okay, next, what's next? Or are you willing to receive and to be reminded of stuff you already know? That's what Peter's trying to say here. Think about how perfect this is for his his desire. What he's trying to do again is to protect the flock. So he says to th- these sheep. Wolf. There are wolves in your presence. Listen, don't go for the new, the shiny. You just stay grounded and rooted in the real truth. Because there's going to be wolves who come to you and say, well, it's, it's great that you're a Christian, uh, but let me tell you about my brand of Christianity. There are things that, that I understand that, that you don't get yet. There's this new knowledge that I have that was the gnosticism that was the thing that was going around these wolves peter would say will come to you and they'll say look don't be so sheepish i'll let me invite you over for dinner and we'll sink our teeth into something new that's how cults work to to tell you oh well i know it says that in here but there's this whole other thing that you're not aware of again repetition of just the same things brings safety but I got to think of one more application. And I think, at least for me, this is the most important out of, out of the three right now. Because I don't know about you, but I sense last week we had a, this great time in the Word. And it, it seemed to me that the Lord was unlocking for us, again, the key to so many riches that we have. And he says, the key is to get to know me. That's what Jesus says, right? And as I, I shared with you the thing that I'm doing in my quiet time and you know how the Lord seems to be opening it up and this kind of falls right in line with that. Because of our desire for the new and the shiny, I want to encourage you to fight the temptation in your own quiet time to look only for the new and the shiny. To feel like you're a failure. You've missed it somehow if you don't see this new revelation from the Lord. Right? Please don't have that attitude. And I know that it's because it's it's in me. I have to fight it too. That attitude uh, where you go through and you're in Deuteronomy. And you just read about the Exodus. And Deuteronomy is Moses going, let me remind you of all of the things that you guys have done. And what God did. Don't go into your quiet time thinking, okay, Lord, I get it. Move on. You told Israel not to forget. They forgot you. They went after foreign gods. How hard can it be? Let's move on to something else. Don't do that. Because if you do, you will find your quiet time very unsatisfying, right? If you go through the word with a been there, done that, read that, I understood it 20 times ago, attitude, your quiet time's going to be a bust. You're going to hate it. But if you, what Peter says here, embrace the reminding, which is, okay, Lord, I wrote that down yesterday about you. I'm going to write it down again today. If you look at it as getting to know Him, as gaining a history with Him, then your quiet time becomes more uh, more valuable, more exciting, I think, to you. Amen. Getting to know Him, I guess one way to put it, is just fun. And when you look at your quiet time like that, as opposed to gaining the most major insight, you'll be a lot more satisfied. Let me give you uh, let me give you an example to kind of solidify that. Let's take you and your best friend. Okay, we'll work on the assumption you have friends. <laughs> how often would you and your best friend meet for coffee and you'd sit down and go, all right, impress me. Tell me the latest, the greatest. You know, tell me something I don't already know. That's not how you act with your friend, right? You you wouldn't. Say, okay, let's talk about something. And your friend's like, hey, I want to tell you about what happened in my family. Oh, no, not your family again. You just are gaining a history with him, right? So that's, I think, where Peter's going. At least that's what's been ministering to me. Our quiet time with him can just be gaining history. It doesn't have to be this huge, major thing. Okay, so repeating, reminding is good because it brings safety. But also repetition, I think you're going to find, is good because it stirs up. Look at verse 13. Yes, I think it is right, Peter says, as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Again, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Both of those places, the word stir up means to rouse from sleep. Anybody use some rousing from sleep right now? Okay, reminder is to rouse from sleep and then... Paul, when he writes about reminding, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. That word is a different Greek word, but it means to, um, to breathe life, to, to blow on a fire, to breathe life to dying embers, right, and let it spark back up. Um, in both cases, I think what's happening is the Lord is saying, look, reminding can rouse a sleeping saint. You guys know any sleeping saints? I mean, besides current company accepted. (laughs) Reminding can rouse a sleeping saint, and reminding can bring a dying ember back to flame. So, let me do what Peter's commanded, or what Jesus has commanded me as well as Peter to do. Let me just ask you. Don't answer out loud. What fire in you is kind of, on the edge of going out? Is it the, the fire of purity? Of, just, of saying, I, I know I can be pure. I just learned it last week. Are you just about ready to give up on a life of purity? Is it being willing to, to fight addiction? Your reminder, we got one last last week, right? You have enough power for life and for godliness. Is for you the the flame of perseverance just about ready to go out? Well, again, the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. If you don't, you will reap a harvest. Maybe it's humility is the thing you need to be reminded of, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Maybe it's trusting him that he is the rescuer, he's mighty to save. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you've almost given up on the idea that God could forgive you, or... Worse, maybe, that you're willing to forgive another, right? Maybe the reminder you need to hear is that Jesus said, if you don't forgive that brother, your father won't forgive you. It's a pretty good reminder. See, in the scripture, my point is, there are promises. There's the scripture for each one of these things where the flame is just about to go out. Another application. Sorry, there's a bonanza of them. You can choose. Um and I, I like this one too, what if we were to think this week, think of that person that, uh, when I say the word smoking flax, okay, now first I have to explain what that is, the idea of where, it's like a, a candle that's not made of the, the most the most great flammable stuff, but it's, it could potentially go out at any time, so a smoking flax is that which is basically, it's just right on the edge of evaporating altogether, right? It's just a wisp of smoke on this wick. When I say that, Maybe there's people that come to your mind, meaning they're just on the edge of giving up in one area or another, or maybe even giving up on life altogether. What if one of our applications would be this? I want to be... See, the, the word says that Jesus would not quench a smoking flax, right? Um, the, the, the Messiah, when he comes. Maybe for you, your, your call today is to be Jesus to someone. That is, they're right on the edge of giving up. And you have a reminder that could fan the flames for them. Okay? Verse 13. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent. Okay, Peter is going to be talking now about his death. The the word tent, there's a euphemism for death, right? It's talking about the temporariness of our physical bodies. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. We've touched on this before. Uh, Peter's very aware of his own death. Right? Peter and Paul both describe their physical bodies as tents. That is very temporary. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Uh, very temporary. They wear out with age, our, our tents, right? Um, they're sufficient for the job, but not too much more. But Peter, he's saying right here, look, I'm going to pull up stakes. I know there's going to be one time when I move into, out of this tent and into my new body. That is a mansion built without hands. These verses, I think, are very poignant because they, they remind us that Peter is really, he's on his way out. But I don't know about you. When I read it, I don't I don't sense fear at all. He's definitely poignant because he's like, I don't have much time with you guys, but not really fear. Matter of fact, verse 15, depending on what translation you have, uh, that very last word where it says, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. You may have the word departure. That's a good translation because the word in the Greek is exodos. Same root word we get exodus. Peter's saying. Right now I'm in this tent, but I am changing addresses very soon. Let me again I hope everybody's awake here but let me let me address you if you're a non-believer. You came in this morning somebody dragged you here to church. You're like, "Okay, I'll listen. I'll I'll be polite and listen." Maybe you're just now checking out Christianity. You're like, well, the the, the worship's kind of cool, you know. And it's neat to to learn stuff out of the Bible. But I'm not sure about this Christianity stuff. I want to issue you a challenge. Go to a funeral of a believer. And then go to a funeral of an unbeliever. And just pay attention. Just look and see when you go you will watch watch those who mourn and if it's an unbeliever's funeral you will see so many view death as a bitter defeat from which there is no recovery but believers you go to that funeral and you will see death is still a little bitter it's bitter sweet but instead of a bitter departure it's a bitter or bitter defeat it's a bitter sweet departure that is I will see you soon. That's the message. For the unbeliever, you go to a funeral and you see your friend swallowed up by death. For the believer, you go and you see death being swallowed up for your friend, by your other friend, Jesus. Verse 13, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. You remember when that happened. Again, John 21, Peter has, or Jesus has just commissioned Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And then he says, right now you're young, you get to go wherever you want, but later you will be bound and you won't be able to go where you want. And you will be, this is implied, we, we figured it out, basically you'll be martyred Um That you will lose your life. You will lay down your life. Um, We know that that must have happened sometime shortly after this letter. Tradition says that Peter was crucified upside down at his own request. That he said, I'm not worthy to to die the exact same death as my my Lord, so would you do this? And they, they granted it, according to tradition. Well, while we're on the cheery subject of death, let me give you one more reminder. It is an appointment you will keep. Unless the Lord comes before your death, it's an appointment that is on your daytimer already. We used to say daytimer, now it's on your Google app or your iPhone application, right? Peter is aware of his coming death. And the point, one reminder here this morning, so should we be. Look at it, verse 13. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly, look at that word, I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Shortly. It's not as you might think immediately. It doesn't necessarily mean that um, tomorrow I'm gone. Shortly is is in the Greek, uh, tachinos. It's the same place we get tachometer as opposed to immediately, what it means is swiftly, meaning as soon as it happens, it's going to happen. Um, that makes me wonder if Peter is writing this from prison. We don't know for sure, but that this would line up with that idea because back then on death row, you didn't have an appeal and appeal and appeal, and you know your, your date was set many, many years away. You were on death row, and one day, you never knew when, the door would fly open, guard would take you, put you out, you're done. See, death comes swiftly. This is a reminder that death comes swiftly. Unbeliever, can I talk to you again? Please don't put off your salvation. Don't think, well, I've got time, because you don't know how much time you have. We all shortly, it says, will be putting off that tent. Whether or not that's 30 years and it just flies by shortly or you get hit by a bus tomorrow, shortly we will be putting off that tent. Okay? So that's an application for unbelievers. That is, surrender your life. Get right with the Lord. Let him uh, appoint your destiny. But here's an application for believers. Spinning it around for, from your perspective. What this means is that we don't have that much time. To remind our flock, to pour into them the truths that bring safety and stirring. Again, look at Paul with Timothy. What you see is a guy pouring into his protege, right? Paul is investing everything he can into this young man. First and Second Timothy be strong, be brave, lead the church. Those are the things that Paul's saying. When you look here, Peter's doing the exact same thing. But he's doing it to the whole church. Guys, I'm not going to be here much longer. Please don't be stupid. Don't fall for their tricks. You stay strong. You're rich. Get richer. All of those things. Now, we have reason to believe. Uh, most scholars think that the, the gospel of Mark was actually Peter's account. That, that Mark hung out with Peter long enough and, and uh, Mark was his transcriber for that gospel. Uh, what this means is you see Peter... Pouring into Timothy, you see or Peter pouring into Mark, you see Peter Paul pouring into Timothy. You see Peter pouring into the whole church. And what about Jesus? Didn't he do the same thing? He wanted to pour into these men that which they needed before he left. You guys remember how many went through the book of John with us, the Gospel of John? You remember how quickly verse chapters one through twelve went? Okay, I don't mean in my teaching. I mean in, in the narrative. In the narrative, you read chapters 1 through 12, and it's like, man, everything's going, it's flying by three and a half years, right? But you hit chapter 13, and all of a sudden everything slows way down. The last 24 hours are basically half of the book of John. Um, John chapter 13 through 17, this narrative slows so down so much, and I think it's because Jesus is very aware of his death, so that for these disciples, all the stuff they need to remember is written down, right? Um, Jesus, using every spare minute he can to teach, to love on his disciples, to r- remind them to redeem every second application. Shortly you will put off your tent could be much quicker than you think. Who is your Timothy? Who's your Mark? Who's your motley band of guys? Who are you you pouring into reminding of those truths that bring safety and stirring? Um, Again, not in my notes, but uh, the Lord put it, I think, put it in my head just now. He put it in a different place last time, but might be a, an appeal for, to, to help with the children's ministry. Again, I thank you that we're not in a spot where we're begging, which is awesome. But these are the kind of things, if you look around and go, I need somebody to pour into. Well, there's, there's a possibility. Verse 15. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure. Peter is definitely wanting to remind us about some things. You notice what he says here, verse 15. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things even after my decease. He's saying, I will haunt you from the grave. No, but he he is saying, look, I'm going to make sure, somehow I'm going to make sure that you're reminded even when I'm gone. Did you guys know that now, in, in this day and age, you can buy a headstone... That has video on it. That, where you could record a five to seven minute video. That that speaks to those who will walk by your grave. It's uh, the Serenity Panel by Vidstone. It's solar powered. Now. Now I'm not sure what to think. I mean. Truly. I, and I've had a little more time to digest it than you have. It's. In one way, it's pretty creepy, but in another way, it's, like, really effective, I bet, right? Um, I, I went on their website. I wasn't shopping, but <coughs> I, I went on their website, and it was really interesting that I think that was the very first, uh, you know, how they have uh, recommendations you know, people who love this product. Um, and and one was was very touching. It was it was a family of a girl who was killed by a drunk driver. It's like, "Well, I get that." To to have a message that you want people to notice when they walk by. I totally get that. What what would be your video message on your vidstone? You could you could use it Not for good or for evil, I suppose, right? Right. You could be like, I just want you to know I know Jesus and if you know Jesus, I will see you soon. Then if you wanted to put an evil twist, you could go, except for that guy. (laughs) If someone were to just fund your video stone, what reminders would you want on there? Moms, would you be like... Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Or I'm telling you, if you make that face one more time, it'll stick that way. Or dads, don't make me come down there. We're not going to go there today and you may be thankful, uh, but the next. (laughs) You're like, is there anywhere we haven't gone? Uh, Look, look at verse 16. It says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we had made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I kind of think that's Peter's vidstone. What he's saying is, guys, I was there. I saw it. I saw him. He is God. He's alive. And I met him. I think that should pretty much be on all of our video stones. If you haven't met him, you need to make that an option for you. See, Peter had a message. God is alive and well, and I've met him. Peter didn't need this technology to pass that message on to the next generation. What What is his vidstone? It's, well, this letter, 1st, 2nd Peter, and probably the Gospel of Mark. See, Peter knew something that I would just want to remind you of. You are temporary. But the gospel is not. You'll only be here for a little while, but the message that you have to carry goes on. But it goes on if you share it. Right? Each one of us has an ending, but the word does not. Not only should we be investing in the future generation as individuals, who's your Mark, who's your Timothy, but what if... Application time. What if we actually, each one of us this week decided, I'm going to actually write down on paper or record it on video uh, so I can put it on my vid- Vidstone or, or put it on my blog? What if each one of us said, I want to record my account of my Savior? What, if we wanted to say essentially what Peter's saying, God is real and He's alive and I've met him. I have a first-person account. I've, I've actually, we have, this is an idea I've kicked around forever, and maybe maybe the Lord will put legs to it this time. How cool would it be is if everybody who wanted to, you did a little little testimony, and we could somehow edit it to make it short enough that it wouldn't derail every service, but what if we had one for each person? It's like this is this is how this is what God did in my life. I, I think that this is actually an easy application to start. It might be hard to finish because you're like, oh man, where do I where do I end? But what if you were just to decide I want to this week write the gospel according to me? What if you included how you used to be and how you are now? Again, for me, most of you know one of the big things I used to be a huge worrier, not so much now, right? How you used to be, how you are now, how you're still failing, but how he's still forgiving you. What about if you included your weaknesses and his strength? What would be the gospel according to you? How great would it be if we all had Peter's mindset, which is time is short. I want to invest in the people around me, and I want to get down in some form a way to uh, extend this legacy to the next generation. Time is short. So let me remind you, let's just read these verses as we close. For this reason, Peter says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the applications that you bring uh, to the forefront for us. I thank you, Lord, for your deep concern, it seems to me, of our quiet time, of the time that we spend privately with you. Thank you, Lord, for how you want to mold us and shape us during that time. Pray, Lord, that you would help us now during this time of application. We want to be doers, Lord, and not just hearers of your word. We want to be well-pleasing to you in, in every moment that we're here and every moment of our lives. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.